Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We, do our we best pray you enjoy that, this message. But there are some things that aren't covered in church today. There's something that I have to cover. God has told me to cover it. That I'm supposed to preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the Word of God is the truth. Amen. 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 So if you will with me, turn to Romans chapter 16. Amen. How many people know that God is not the author of confusion? So if God's not the author of it, who is? Yes. Praise him. Romans chapter 16. If you don't have it on your Bibles, you don't have it on your your app, I got it on the Sky Bible up here. Now, I beseech you. That means I beg you. I'm begging. You guys know what begging is? I'm not talking about like, hey, you guys, do you think you can? No, that's asking. Somebody's begging. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Hmm. So I'm reading here, and the Bible's telling me that I need to mark them that cause division and offenses. You know what marker means? Point them out. Point them out. Because they're they're doing things that are contrary, which means against. Contrary doesn't mean just going against. It actually means hatred. Against the doctrine. The doctrine, what is the doctrine? It is the Bible. Not only mark them, but avoid them. Like the plague. Una casa sin disciplina es una casa llena de caos y conflictos. Any house without discipline is a house full of chaos and strife. I don't know about you, I got rules in my house. There's some rules that I expect everybody there to follow. Todos tenemos algún tipo de disciplina en nuestras propias casas. We all have some type of discipline in our own homes. Hey, comportamientos que no permitimos en nuestros hogares. There are behaviors that we will not allow in our own houses. Now, let me give you for instance, just in case you're lost. In my house, you can wear a hat. You go into my mom's house, you better take your hat off. Because those are the rules of her house. She sets rules in her house to keep peace in her house. If there's no rules, there's no peace. Amen. Now, I, I just want to share something with you. Is, 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 would you allow somebody to come in your house and spit on the floor? Would you allow that behavior? Well, guess what? If you allow that behavior, do you know that your children will see that? Or people, other people come in and go, oh, it must be okay to do that here. Amen. Don't come to my house and stand on my furniture. Some of y'all are like, mm-hmm. Do not plop down on my furniture either. You sit. Just letting y'all know before you get there. 
No creemos que sea extraño tener estas reglas porque mantiene el orden y la paz en nuestros hogares. We don't think it's strange to have these rules because it maintains order and peace in our homes. How many people want peace in their homes? Well, let me help you out. Maybe you don't have peace in your homes because you don't have order in your home. And maybe you don't have order in your home because you haven't set boundaries and rules in your house. So where there's no rules, there's no order. Where there's no order, there's no peace. We're praying for peace when God's saying, listen, you're in all this chaos because you haven't even set up boundaries, rules. Si hay una persona que no obedece estas reglas, ya no son Bienvenidas en nuestras casas. If a person doesn't obey the rules in your house, they are no longer welcome in your house. Amen. Amen. Don't come in my house doing stuff that I don't allow and then expect to come back. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Because I set up rules in my house because I want peace. And everybody says, yeah, well, you know, God is the prince of peace. And as long as God is in my house, then I have peace. Well, guess what? God is not the author of confusion. So you can't expect God to be any confusing place. Because he's not Lord there, obviously. Hmm. If we're Christian, if God has given us rules, and we're Christian, which means we're Christ-like, which means we do things as Christ does, who is God, then how come we don't have rules in our house? Because God has rules in his house. Y debería ser de la misma manera aquí en la iglesia. There's rules in our own houses, and guess what? It should be the same way here at church. Amen. Y'all sitting here looking at me, but this is going to be a difficult day today. I've been called to preach the word of God. And I'm going to preach it. I've been called to obey the word of God. And I'm going to obey it. Because as it said in Romans 16, it told me to mark them, which caused division and strife and offenses, contrary to the word of God, to the doctrine of God. So that's what God has called me to do. And that's what I'm going to do today. It's not easy. But God never promised me it would be easy. Now, here at the building, we have rules, and the rules are according to the Bible. Trabajamos dura para de la bienvenida a todos en nuestra iglesia. We work hard to welcome every person that walks through the doors of this sanctuary. We want guests to feel right at home. No one is to be treated like strangers here. Mi iglesia es tu iglesia. Mi casa es tu casa. We want you to feel at home when you come in here. Amen. Pero hoy les digo que hay una persona que ya no es bienvenida aquí. I've come today to say that we are officially making notice that there is a person in here right now that is not welcome. No longer. El asiste a todos los servicios, llega temprano y se sienta y observa todo lo que this person has been in regular attendance, 
Every time the doors are open, he gets here early, occupies his seat, and observes all that goes on. Estas personas que tiene que irse hoy asiste mucho más regularmente que algunos de nuestros miembros. This person that has to leave today attends more regular than some of our members. In the past, I've told many of you about this person. I've talked to you both publicly and I've talked to you privately. Now, I know it may seem cruel to you and unusual that why would uh, we not welcome this person and ask him to leave? Some of you may be asking me, ¿Por qué no eres una iglesia amorosa? No deberías dar la bienvenida a todos. You guys are looking at me and asking me, why aren't you a loving church? Shouldn't you welcome everybody that comes in the door? Well, the truth is, we welcome people into the door, but when your behavior is contrary to the word of God, you are no longer welcome. I don't know about you. I love my children. I don't know if you love your kids or not, but I love my kids enough, my kids enough to uh, encourage them. Sometimes I encourage them with a the pat on the back, and other times I encourage them with a the pat on the behind. It's all encouragement. The Bible said that God himself chastises those whom he loves. The truth is, nothing could be more loving than to ask this person to leave. I've done some research and I've found this person, or found him, to have caused many of our members countless distress. I can't have that anymore. You can't have that anymore. You agree with me. If you allowed somebody to come in your own house and break the rules and don't say anything, that, it, that your children and anybody else in the house is going to start doing the same thing. Didn't you say that? And it's the same at church. If you get somebody in here that's a gossiper and it's, oh, that's okay, then they're going to start gossiping. You get somebody in here that's a fornicator and people find out that they just fornicate, guess what? Then they're going to think it's okay. So the Bible tells me to mark those people. And I'm asking you that once we mark them and excommunicate this person this morning, that you don't associate with, your, with this person at all. You disassociate yourself from him. No tengas communion con él. No longer have communion or fellowship with him. We've learned that a few weeks ago. Bad company corrupts good manners. It will destroy your Christian character. Now, I know it may seem embarrassing to ask this person to get up and leave this assembly in such a public manner in front of everyone. However, this is what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6. Now, we command you. You guys know a commandment is an order. I don't have an option. This is what he commands me. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which we have received from us. This is biblical. Withdrawing ourselves from this person. Goodbye. Now, as my time as a pastor of this church, I've watched this person come in here with a halo on their head, I've watched them attend our meetings. I've seen them at our fellowships. I've noticed that they are 
uh, here with us during our outreaches. When we go out to do outreach, they're there right there with us, looking like they're part of the group, acting like they're there to help us. But I'm here to tell you, to my amazement, this person has participated in almost every event that we ever do. It's funny how this person will show up. Esta personas he interferido en cada parte de nuestro ministerio. Ya no tengo paciencia para sus juegos. He has been working quietly behind the scenes. His work is not always obvious, but the results have been overwhelming, overwhelming, overwhelmingly. You get that? Use my second name. Yeah, English. It's overwhelmingly manifested. I said, hey, <laughs> he has discouraged a lot of you new Christians in here. He has shattered marriages and has harbored disunity. This is not easy. So today, I'm serving notice. Entonces hoy te estoy notificando. Satan, you are no longer welcome in this place. I cast you out right now in the name of Jesus. Go to dry places right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. For the rest of you, you can go ahead and sigh a big breath of relief because it isn't you. I know y'all in here was like, oh my God. I was watching, I was watching you guys pray in the spirit. I was just looking at you like, oh, he's been caught in the act, you guys. He's been here. I got evidence that he's been here. Watch, I got pictures. I got pictures. Look, he jumps in our selfies. I got another one. He's in another selfie. Look, look, he's in another selfie. There you go, right there. This is the part I hate, though. He shows up when we're trying to worship. Look at him. See, that you guys don't realize, Jim understands that the devil's always trying to be on his back, but you know, his, his, his power against the devil is happening when he's worshiping God. See, what Jim was going to do, the devil's on his shoulder. Jim, you notice, notice he's like this. The next move is this right here. because just, just, just. The Bible identifies Satan as a great dragon. He's a roaring lion, the vile one, the tempter, the accuser. He is cunning and powerful, and he is not welcome in this church anymore. Listen, saints, we can't fight the devil with the arm of the flesh. However, we can arm ourselves with the armor of God. There's too many of us trying to fight the devil like this, and he's going to beat you down. Because the Bible tells us, look, that our, our, the wages of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. We got to take this battle through the Lord, because the devil's going to show up in a lot of places. Just a side note, he can't come in unless you invite him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody say shut the door. Mm -mm. That's, another, that's another message right there. 
Listen, we can rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ, and we can fight the good fight by allowing Christ to take him on head-to-head in a holy battle. We ain't got to fight the devil. God has given us power over the enemy, all the power. You guys have to understand something. We're trying to get into a wrestling match with somebody that's already lost. If I'm walking around with the belt and I'm a champion and somebody's talking about, come on, let's fight. No, I've already won. You lost. You fought my Lord and Savior. And he gave the victory to me. Come on, you guys. You guys got to understand, don't think you're wise enough are strong enough, are big enough, are spiritual enough, or intelligent enough to take on the prince of this world by yourself. We do it so often. We get so spiritual, we go, I'm, going, I'm about to go into battle right now. You, you ain't going into battle. What are you fighting? We fight on our knees. We, we submit to these things. We submit to Christ. You know, the Bible tells you, submit yourself unto the Lord. Then resist the devil, and he shall flee. It doesn't say nothing about you doing anything to the devil. It just says, submit yourself unto the Lord. As you're submitting to God, that's resisting the devil. Do you get it? We're so busy trying to fight temptation. Don't fight temptation. Temptation is is the enemy. He's the devil. So instead, turn and submit to God. If I'm focused on him, then I ain't got to worry about the other guy. Hey, husbands, you got a problem with looking at other women? You ain't got to resist looking at other women. Just keep your eyes on your wife. Bow. Looking unto Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. I will look towards the hills which cometh my help, for my help cometh from the Lord. What does it mean? Keep your eyes off of worldly and earthly things and keep your eyes on the Lord. You ain't got to worry about all this other stuff. Have you ever stopped to think how the devil can, he accomplishes so, many, so much sinful damage through human flesh here at the church house? You ever sit down and wonder, how come there's so much stuff going on in the church? The church is supposed to be a sanctuary. Sanctuary means safe place. Do you guys know that? So I'm supposed to be able to come in the church and not have to deal with all the stuff I got to deal with out there. But for some reason, I got to deal with the same stuff I deal with out there. I got to deal with it in here. Can I get an Amen backbiting, people want to talk about you, gossiping, people don't like you, the way you dress, they don't like all this other stuff. Why I got to deal with that in the house of God? You ever wonder why you got to deal with it? You ever wonder? Because we're bringing Satan in here. He works through our flesh. Do you know the devil is interested in turning God's house into a pit stop of moral decline? The world is dying. It's dying. The church should be living. Morally, the world is corrupt. Why is the church becoming morally corrupt? Do you realize we don't get our morals and standards from the world? We get our morals and standards from the Bible. I'm about to hurt some feelings here. You know, so many times, saints of God, we want to bring what the world is doing into the church. I'm about to do it. I'm about to do it, Kaya. Kaya, I'm about to do it, honey. I'm about to do it. Don't hold hold me back. (laughs) 
We are so strong with the word of God until it's affected in our lives. We will highly disagree on something until one of our family members have fallen into that temptation and sin. And then all of a sudden, we want to start submitting to the world and not submitting to the Bible. What do you do when a family member comes up, somebody you love or your best friend, your son, your daughter, your father, your mother comes to you and says they're homosexual? Or they're in a relationship, they're not married, but they're having sex before marriage. What do you do? All of a sudden, we start, and this is what's happening in the church, we start to change our mind and basically go, well, they do love each other. Love is love, isn't it? I'm not talking about rejecting people. I'm talking about the sin. I'm talking about accepting the sin because now somebody that you know or you love is in it. So that, you know what that's called? Compromise. And it's happening in the church because we will not stand firmly on the word of God. You, you, you have not seen real trial. You have not seen if you've ever, we always talk about, man, you ain't, you ain't really standing for the word of God until your life is in line. See, sometimes it's easier to give up your life than it is to look at somebody you love and go, look, I love you, but you're in sin and you're in danger of eternal wrath. Love you. Love you. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. Uh, I love you and you're my friend, but you're sleeping with that girl and y'all ain't married. Y'all shacking, you're living together, that's wrong. It's fornication. The Bible says that no fornicator or adulterer or extortioner shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ooh, yeah, it's going to be quiet today. It's going to be quiet. The devil would like to see the family of God slaughtered on the altar of pettiness. Why are we fighting each other over small stuff? Things that don't even matter. They don't matter. This is stuff that the world's doing, but we're doing it here in church. You know why? Because Satan is working through us to look on things that don't even matter. There's people in here right now that won't sit next to somebody because they don't like them because of something they said or something they did. Petty. You know how petty that is? You know what the Bible tells us to do when you have an ought with a brother? It says you go to them and tell them. But instead, you know what we do? We go to somebody and disguise it as being holy. Well, you know, I just wanted to sit. Let's sit down and talk about uh, uh, this issue I'm having with this brother. Uh, let's, we're going to pray about it. But what do you think about this? I'm getting godly counsel. The Bible tells me to seek godly counsel. No. The Bible says if you have an ought with a brother, you go to him. Matthew 18. It says before you even come to the altar and give a sacrifice, you got a problem with a brother, don't lay your, do not lay your sacrifice down at the altar. You go make it right with that brother, then come back and give your sacrifice. But instead, we want to hold on to oughts and unforgiveness and pettiness. And the devil's just laughing. Satan is cunning, he's crafty. His target is to get leaders and church members to battle over our own selfish desires while making God's priority for his church secondary. You know, if I'm so focused on the problems I have with you, then I can't be focused on what God has me to do. Huh? You're so busy being mad. Look, you're supposed to be serving. You're so busy being mad, you call in sick because I got to serve with so-and-so. It ain't about you. You come to church to serve God's people. And you serve God by serving his people. It's his body. 
So whether I got a problem with you or not, I'm going to put that on the shelf until I'm done serving these babies. When I'm done serving these babies, then me and you can go sit down at lunch and iron our problems out. Maybe we'll just agree to disagree. Petty. I've seen the devil at work, and he's not welcome around here anymore. I've seen him operate. I've seen to come, come see him work at many different levels and ways, and he has filtered himself into every aspect of this church, but not, not anymore, not at all. Today, I serve notice. The funny part about it is, once I said, I said earlier, the devil himself don't come in here in his red suit, like I joked in this video or the pictures. He don't come in like that. He's not welcome here. But when we welcome him here, he'll come in. How do we welcome? Because he comes in through us. See, there's five things that the devil wants to do to you, and I'm going to name these five things. Praise God. How many people was here last week? Who was here last week? Okay, last week, let's talk about the con. You guys know what the con is? You guys remember? Donald brought a word talking about the con and, and all this. This is going right along with it. Praise God. And the funny part about it is I didn't realize it. This is why I know God is moving and speaking to us. Because after first service, it's like, people are like, man, that, that went right on with last week's message. And I didn't get to hear all of last week's message because I was preaching out. And I was like, what? I said, oh, okay, God's trying to tell us something. He's hitting us with a series, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> Number one, the devil wants you to be lordless. Do you guys know that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Whether you recognize it or not. He died for everybody. People don't go to hell for a sin issue. They go to hell because of a relationship issue. What is the relationship? Watch this. The devil wants you to say, yeah, Jesus is my Savior. He just doesn't want you to say, Jesus is my Lord. Big difference. Whether you accept him or not, he's your Savior. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? If he's your Lord, then you will do what the Bible tells you to do. Because what Jesus said has been written. Ooh. So people, yeah, you know, I follow Jesus. Look, following Jesus is like you follow somebody on Instagram. That you get to peek in every once in a while and see what's happening. Following Jesus means, Lord, you tell me to do this regardless of whether I believe it or I agree with it or no matter how hard it is, I will do what you say. That's why, that's why Paul always called himself a bondservant. I am a slave to Christ. Not that Christ made him a slave. He submitted himself unto God to do whatever he told him to do. We should be doing the same. Solomon said in Proverbs, listen very carefully, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God is wisdom and it's instruction. Every word. We can't just take part of the Bible and just read part of the Bible. Let me, let me just make this clear. So parents, you know like you, you slaved, moms, you slaved, or even dads, you slaved over some food and you have like a little five-course meal and you sit it down in front of your kids and they just eat the meat. You're like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, 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 uh-uh. You're going to sit there until you eat that, everything on that plate. Some of you don't get what I'm saying because that's not a thing practiced in homes anymore. Because you don't value your own hard work. 
My mom used to tell me when I didn't want, I'd be like, no, I don't want to eat that. She said, you're going to eat that. I'd be like, no, thank you. She said, there's no thank you helping. <laughs> you're going to sit there and eat it. So that's what God says. God, God said, look, I died to bring you this word and put it on your plate, and you want to pick and choose through what you want. No, you're going to sit there, and like I told Ezekiel in chapter 3, eat the whole scroll. Eat it all. But instead, we want to pick and choose that which we want. And then at that point, just because you're listening a little bit doesn't mean that Jesus is your Lord. Partial obedience is disobedience. You are lordless, and that's what Satan wants. He wants, you to, he wants to offer you on, the, on counterfeit religion. He wants to convince you about counterfeit religion, a religion that says, you know, I just come to church, and I'm doing, you know, I'm coming to church. I do that for the Lord. I come to church for God. God's like, you, you, I created the church for you so that you can come and fellowship. Saints of God, you can seek God daily without the church, but you come to the church for a corporate fellowship, forsaking not the fellowship of yourselves. We come together, we get strength, but it's for you. But we start to think, oh, well, religious, so I just go to church every Sunday. I'm right with the Lord. He knows my heart. You know, you know, you know listen, y'all, as long as I'm doing my best, God is going to take my best. No, he's not taking your best. God don't want your best. He wants all. It's what the scripture says. All your heart, all your mind, all your strength. He didn't say your best because best is a concept that goes to each person. My best is to the point I feel uncomfortable. I gave you my best. No, right when it got uncomfortable is when you stopped. Right when it started hurting is when you stopped. But if I give it all, the woman in the Bible that had two mites, the widow, the Bible said, you know, she came and gave two mice, like two pennies. And everybody else gave a handful. People were giving out. And, and the Lord asked the disciples, said, you, you know, who gave the most? And they were looking like, well, okay, I know this is a trick question, Lord. What's going on? See, everybody else gave out of their abundance. They gave where it was comfortable because they had a lot to give. So when they give a lot, it looks like they gave a lot. But they didn't give all. She gave, and the Bible said, all her living. Listen all her living. What does that mean? She had no other way of getting that money back. She was a widow. And widows, if you remember, if you guys read your Bible, back in those days, it took men to help take care of the families. The wives usually were the ones that took care of the home. She was a woman. She had no other way to make money. So she had no husband to take care of her. That's why in Acts, they talked about um, the deacons were supposed to take care of the widows because they had nobody else to take care of them. So here's this woman that gave two, two mites Two pennies, she had no other way of getting it back. And God said that that is an, a, a sacrifice that it's acceptable because she gave all. But your counterfeit religion will say, you know, I tithe uh, of, of all my stuff. I do this. I, yeah, because it's convenient. It becomes religion to you. He will tell you that one church is good as another. It's not. I'm not going to dog any churches, but not all churches are preaching the gospel. A lot of churches are just telling you right now what you want to hear so the pastors can keep it going and keep the seats full, right? Funny part about it is we look at all these pastors and all these things that are doing this, and you blame the pastors and the men of God for being wrong. I'm sorry, you don't blame the pastors. The Bible says that you heaped up for yourselves prophets. 
for those that want to say what you want to hear so that you can be comfortable in your sin. Don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. Just tell me what I'm doing right. Number two, he tell you it doesn't matter what you believe. He will tell you that there is no absolute truth. You know, right now in church and just in churches all together, people are like, you know what? It's whatever you think it means. What does it mean to you? What does the scripture mean to you? And it's called your truth. Can I, can I help you guys out? Okay, I'm going to help one guy out. Okay, just a... Listen, listen. Why does everybody have a truth? I don't get it. So I got a truth and you got a truth. But if my truth offends upon uh, your rights, it's still okay because it's my truth. It's going on in the world right now. Well, this is my truth, and, and I believe my truth is what's true for me. Right? Do, do you guys know that people will, 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 will do things that they say is the truth so it's convenient for them? But it, I believe it's in Romans chapter 2 where it talks about that God said that he has written the law upon our hearts, that even when we do stuff that's not the truth, we know deep down inside we ain't supposed to be doing it. It's my truth. There's the truth that goes on right now. Can, can I just be, can, I'm, here it goes again. And probably you guys, there, some people might walk out. You guys ready? Okay. When we talk about truth, you know that the truth is, is that, yes, every woman has a right to decide herself what goes on with her body. I back that up 100%. But when it comes to do with another life inside her body, she don't have that choice. And I have to stand and defend that. It's murder. It's a life. Listen to me. Why do I know? Because I'm a Christian. And I'm a Christian, and because I'm a Christian, I believe the Word of God. And the Word of God tells me, listen very carefully. If you're on Facebook and listening, listen very carefully if you're Christian. I'm not talking about fake Christians. I'm not talking about who call themselves Christians. I'm talking about people that believe this Word of God. By no means am I trying to belittle what's happened to anybody over rape, incestual uh, uh, behavior, or anything like that happens. I'm sure it's a hard thing. I'm sure it's difficult. I don't know what happened. Maybe you don't have enough money. I don't know what's happened. The saints of God, listen to me. The word of God is specific on children, and it says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. God has never given a promise on how you'll be brought into this world, but he says, you brought, I made a way for you to bring in this world. I know that God can turn any tragedy into a testimony that, that what was meant to destroy you, listen very carefully, that God will turn it around for your good but to his glory. I'm telling you right now, abortion is wrong. And for everybody else, listen very carefully. The time to choose what you have, the, the choose what happens to your body, isn't at Planned Parenthood. It's when you're meeting with that guy and you can go, ah, no, it's okay. That's the time to choose. We just lost about 10 members. It's okay. But I'm here to tell you, if you are here and maybe, you have, maybe you've had abortion, maybe you have multiple abortions for whatever the reason is, I know that my God is full of mercy. He's full of grace. You've been, dealing, you've been dealing with issues in your life, and you don't even know what's wrong with you. 
it's because of the blood. There's blood on your hands, and you don't even know what's been going on. Things aren't happening right. You can't even get right in relationships. There's things that are happening. You can't get right in relationships with people, with men or women. There's things that's happening to you. There's men in here that have made women get abortions, but God is saying today that I will wash and cleanse your hands by my blood. He says, I will set you free from the bruises that you have done. And God today says, just offer that up to him on the altar of forgiveness, and he will wipe your slate clean. He will free you from all guilt and all shame right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We cannot allow us to sit down. Or God can't allow us to believe what we want to believe. It's what the word says. Thank you, Jesus. He also wants us ignorant of judgment. This is what the devil wants us ignorant of judgment. We think that we can keep doing stuff, and as long as nothing happens right now, we're going to keep getting away with it. Amen. So many times we keep doing sin and nothing happens. We think, well, Eve ate the apple, and immediately they get kicked out. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto a man death and then judgment, which means on your little, your, your iPhone calendar, God's got you set in for an appointment of judgment. You may not deal with it now, but you're going to deal with it later. And the devil doesn't want you to know that. He's thinking that because you, because you keep sinning, because you stay in your sin, it's okay. You're getting away with it. God's mercy endureth forever. <laughs> Praise God. He would also tell you that there's many ways to heaven. There's people sitting in here right now that have the spirit of Oprah Winfrey right now. Can I hurt some more people? Oprah's a brilliant businesswoman. Brilliant businesswoman. She's going to hell, though. <laughs> Pastor, how can you say somebody's going to hell? I know she's going to hell. She confesses that there are many ways to get to God. She confesses it. Can I tell you what Jesus said? No man goes to the Father but through me. There is one way, one door, one truth to get to heaven. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to my Father but through me. Anybody that tells you there's other ways, they are a liar. They are a thief. Come on, saints. Oh, this ain't good, but I really love Oprah and everything that she does. You know, the devil will tell you because you do good deeds and this counterfeit religion stuff, you'll get to heaven. Look, I don't care how many homeless people you feed, how many sandwiches you made, how much clothes you bought, how many tents you bought to help the homeless. That will not get you into heaven. You are saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. Hallelujah. You can't work your way into heaven. The devil also tell you that there's contradictions in the Bible. Listen, I'm just going to be brief with this. Any contradiction that you find in the Bible isn't the Bible. It's you. Because you're trying to discern spiritual things with a carnal mind. Bible specific in, in Corinthians, it says that a carnal mind is an enmity against God. What is an enmity? It means it hates the things of God. Because the word of God is spiritual. So how are you going to try to discern spiritual things with a carnal mind, a fleshy mind? You can't do it 
because it goes naturally against it. So therefore, we go, well, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, uh, Pastor, you know, men were able to have many wives. In the New Testament, uh, you know, it talks about adulterers. So what are you saying? Well, well, in the Old Testament it was okay, and we believe stuff in the Old Testament. No, let me, let me help you guys out. Just because you see it and read it in the Bible, just because God allowed it, doesn't mean he approved of it. Remember, remember, remember the children of Israel were crying out because they wanted, they, wanted a, they wanted a divorce. God said, uh-uh, so I'm going to allow you to do it, but I don't approve of it. You got everybody thinking now. Oh, okay. The children of Israel wanted a king. God says, no, I don't want to, I have a heavenly king for you. I don't want to give you an earthly king. But they begged and cried out for a king so long. God said, okay, here you go. I'm going to allow you to have a king. We know what happened with that. King Saul. And all them other kings. Crazy kings. Number three. The devil wants you to judge the worth of the man in the pulpit based upon his political correctness rather than his biblical accuracy. Yeah. A lot of you guys want to sit down and go, you know, you know, the pastor's really good because he doesn't say things to hurt our feelings. I don't want to go to that church because he, he says things that, you know, I don't agree with. <laughs> it cracks me up. But, you know, if somebody says, you know, things like, hey, look, it's okay. You go out and have as much sex as you want to, get as drunk as you want to, and do it. And God's going to forgive you because <laughs> he's, he's a loving God. People love that. I have the church full. People being in stack, you, you guys be standing in the back, all that just because I'm making you feel good about where you're at. So that's, you know, because he's politically correct. You know, we love on everybody and, and accept everything that people do. No. When a pastor stands flat-footed and starts preaching the word of God, there's not going to be too many people in church. So people want to determine whether they're going to go to church by a pastor. If he's politically correct, I'm going to go to that church. But if he's telling the word of God and the truth, I'm cool. Because I want to feel okay in my sin. Devil, you're not allowed here. Many souls will spend eternity in hell because of smooth-talking religious racketeers that call themselves preachers who love power and money. The devil also wants you to focus on the hypocritical preachers so you don't notice the ones with integrity. Huh? It, it, it's funny how we can go to church. Now, and this ain't nobody in here. But we can go to church and work and serve hard. I heard a story of a man who's in here now that gave his life to this church, became a deacon served his pastor with all his heart, and then come to find out the pastor himself was into multiple affairs, sleeping around. So you know what happens to people like that? This person didn't do it, but people are like, I'm done with church. Done. I want to be in there no more. Right? You know what I find funny about that? You could be in a relationship with a woman, and she cheats on you. You're hurt. You're heartbroken. You're like, oh, man, why'd she do that? I'm heartbroken. Then you run over to your computer, and you sign up for the first dating network to find you a new girl. But you're at church. You get hurt by a church. Why don't you just turn and you get hurt by this church? Why don't you just run back to your computer, get on the computer, and find another church to go to? 
You guys get it? Watch this. You, you don't give up on women because one hurts you. You don't give up on men because one hurts you. You just find another good one. Learn from your mistakes of the last one and find a good one. But seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Don't be thirsty. That should be in there. <laughs> seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, all ye thirsty people. <laughs> the devil wants you to concentrate on all the things that are wrong in church. It's like you walk in here and you're like, hmm, this is a nice church, but why is there nails on the wall with nothing hanging on them? The paint looks like, it looks like it needs painting in here. Yeah, stop looking. That's how y'all looking. You know, the devil wants you to start focusing on the 10% of things that are wrong instead of the 90 things that are right. Watch this. Then you become ungrateful, and you end up leaving probably the best church that you were ever at because things weren't perfect. It's so funny that we want perfection when we're not perfect. Come on. The devil also helps you make every excuse possible to help keep you, uh, to help keep us from doing what we know to do. Wait, let me say this again. <laughs> let, me, let me back up. Let me back up. Yes, it's the English again. The devil wants to help you make excuses for you to keep doing what you know is going to keep you from out of heaven. In other words, you keep, you keep doing your sin, you're staying in your sin, and you'll keep making excuses. Well, once again, God knows my heart. I can't help myself. I, I keep doing it. And, you know, Paul says that which I don't do, I, I, I want to do, I'll do. And, and so God understands. So you start making excuses. There is no excuse for sinning. When God has given you the power over sin, in baptism, Romans chapter 6, he says, when you get baptized, you are baptized into Christ, and sin no longer has power over you. So what you are doing literally is submitting yourself to sin. When the Bible says, submit yourself unto God. So when you submit yourself unto God, the problem is you're not, you don't have a sin problem, you have a submission problem. You're submitting to sin and not to God. And the devil wants to keep giving you great excuses. Number four. He'd also tell you to be tolerant of sin. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. Listen, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the fealty of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. It's funny how one sin leads to another sin. To another sin. The next you know there's a word that's called lasciviousness. Where you can't control yourself. Because you, it started somewhere small. And it's funny how that the world has given themselves over so much to so much sin that what they'll do is they start renaming sin to take the, the sting out of the word. Amen? 
I, I, I'll help you with some of them. You guys ready? Adultery and fornication, we call them affairs and indiscretions. The pastor stepped down from pastoring because of an indiscretion. It's because of adultery. Just say it. You guys, homosexual, they changed the word to be gay. The original text for gay is what? Happy. You guys know Fred and Barney and the Flintstones? If you guys ever watched it, it says, we'll have a gay old time. He meant they'll have a great happy time. But we've taken that word out. You guys know the original word for homosexual is sodomite. In the Bible, they're called sodomite. Listen, don't call nobody a sodomite right now. You'll catch a case. That's hate speech. It's hate speech. It's, it's come to the point, exactly. The truth has now become hate speech. They call murder, murdering, mercy killings. They call abortion control of my own body. Stealing is borrowing without asking. <laughs> the perpetrator came in borrowed some clothes without asking, and immediately fled the scene. You're a thief. You're extortioner. Sin is a sickness. It is cancer that is causing separation from God's people and God. Let's just call it what it is. Stop trying to soften the blow. So I think we need to leave these words harsh so that we can realize how hard of, of, of a thing that we're doing that's separating us from God. Instead of trying to make, oh, I don't want to say nothing to offend you. The word offends. It's supposed to offend you to righteousness. Amen. Number five, he will slowly destroy your relationships as I bring this to a close. He will destroy your relationships. Listen, saints, he will tell you that you are number one and the most important person in the universe. What about me? What about you? This is one thing I hear people say all the time, especially with people that have a hard time serving. People that have a hard time serving. Well, you know, Pastor, I would love on people as the Bible commanded me to do. You know, the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I'm trying to learn how to love myself first so that I can properly love my neighbor. I've heard it multiple times. You know, a lot of people in here have a hard time treating people nice because they don't love themselves. But if you can start loving on other people first, you can learn to start loving yourself. It's backwards. Listen, it's total, It's contrary. Remember the carnal mind? So you start thinking, if I learn to love myself, I can love other people because that's what psychology is teaching. Learn to love yourself and you can treat other people better. That's carnal thinking. But God says, esteem your brothers higher than yourselves. So if I learn to start loving you, watch this, because there's Jesus in you, and if I start loving on you, then I'm loving on Jesus, and that I should submit myself one to another, so I should learn how to love on you, and as I begin to love on you, I'll begin to see the God in you and start realizing that the God in you is the God in me, and then I can start loving myself. The devil promotes jealousy and envy and pride 
He wants you to forget about kindness and compassion. He encourages gossip and slander. We talked about that. He would like you to, uh, he'd like to plant in your heart. Listen, get even, get revenge. Y'all thought about it too at that point too, like, hmm, yeah. He tells you to get bitter and resentful anytime you are done wrong. He doesn't want you to forgive anybody. Do you know God commands us to forgive? Listen very carefully. There's people that have done things to you that they should have their hands chopped off in other parts of their body. You got to forgive them. It's not for them for you. Do you know that we were, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He forgave us before we deserved it, before we even asked for it. The word forgive means to give something before you need it. For meaning before, give here. <laughs> right? God gave us forgiveness. He gave us grace before we needed it so that we could have it in the time of need. So it, we should do the same thing. We need to forgive those that have, have done an ought against us. It's not for them. They don't deserve it the same way we didn't deserve it. Because the Bible says if you can't forgive your brother, then the Lord can't forgive you. Difficult. Some of y'all are sitting here, man, but what does it mean to forgive? That'll be another message. Because forgiveness isn't what you think it is for some of you guys. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. He has tried to get us to major on the minors and to minimize the majors. If he can get our eyes off of Jesus, we'll start looking at ourselves, and then the church goes kaput. No power. We have to keep our eyes focused on heavenly things. Colossians 3 and 2 says, set your affections on things above and not on things in this earth. Look, I know I got a problem with you. Look, I, I know you offended me. I look, I know you ain't serving. Oh, did that come out? Uh, look, I, I, I know, I know who is and who isn't. I, I understand that. But at the end of the day, I got to keep my eyes on Jesus, and so do you. Keep your eyes on the Lord so that you can continue to do His work. Because if not, watch this: the devil's going to work in you and through you. The only way the devil can accomplish these tasks is through disobedient people. If you're only doing part of the word, you're disobedient. Ephesians 2 and 2 says this, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. If you are obedient to God's word, the devil can't work through you. But when you're disobedient, partial obedient, when Jesus isn't your Lord, the devil says right here in Ephesians 2 and 2 that it's the spirit that worketh in you, in the children of disobedience. You are his puppet. You're coming to church, you're disobedient because we don't see what you're doing because you're not around church folk all the time. So you do your thing and you come in, the devil's working through you because you bring that same worldliness the same immoral behavior in the church. That's why I said today the devil's no longer welcome here. He's no longer welcome in you either. 
in order to get the hell out of the church, we got to get the hell out of us. Listen to me when I say this. Hell is the eternal home that has been prepared for the devil. Hell is the devil's home. Amen. Heaven is God's home. Amen. So wherever there's hell, the devil will make his home. So if the hell is in you, he's going to make his home in you. If heaven's in you, then God's going to make his home in you. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, abide means to live, but you have to abide in him, which means you have to be obedient, then he'll live in your heart. That's when you can ask the Lord whatever you want, and it shall be given unto you. But if you don't abide in the word, if, you're not, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, then he can't live in your heart. You think he does, but your religion is here, not here. This is why we proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come alive in us. The kingdom of heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in this earth, as it is in heaven. When we make our hearts heaven, God will come and live in our hearts. So what God is telling us today, saints of God, we need to be obedient. We need to not just declare that Satan is no longer welcome in this church. We need to say that Satan is no longer welcome in our hearts. The spirit of Satan, the spirit of disobedience is no longer welcome in our hearts. So today I declare by the word of God, Satan, you are no longer welcome in this place. God, I declare right now that my heart is open for your word only. I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, we make and serve eviction notice to every disobedient spirit, disobedient thought in our lives, any thought that we have that has exalted itself against your knowledge. God, we bring it down and pull it down into captivity. And we release right now, we release obedience in our lives, obedience to do your word. Though we don't understand it, God, we don't see it, we will submit ourselves unto you that the devil may flee. So, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in us and through us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys give God a praise. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.